Hello, everybody. This is Ryan Roxy from the Alice Cooper Band, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Chuck Garrick from Bisto Blanco, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey there, I'm Dick Wagner, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Steve Morse from Deep Purple, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 349 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, and heavy metal talk on the net. Episode 349, we have two special guests for you. We have joining us from the Alice Cooper Band. We have uh, longtime guitarist Ryan Roxy joining us, and also uh, a great, great uh, chance to talk with a real uh, interesting gentleman, Ian McDonald, who is... Uh, on the first three Foreigner albums, has also played with King Crimson. He's here to talk about his new band, Honey West. So we'll get to Ian in just a little bit. But first, we're going to turn our attention to Ryan Roxy. Um, they are going to be rolling into the Pittsburgh market to do a show on September 1st. He is Alice Cooper, uh, Deep Purple. Uh, we'll be doing a show at the Key Bank Pavilion. But uh, it was something kind of special the night before on the 31st of August. They were playing at Moondogs. The entire Alice Cooper band, Sans Alice, will be doing a show uh, at Moondogs, a real intimate venue. Uh, Tickets are available uh, through Moondogs' website. So you get Ryan Roxy, Tommy Henriksen, Nita Strauss, Chuck Gehrig, and Glenn Sobel uh, will be doing the show, doing some of their own material, uh, etc. So we're going to talk to Ryan about that in just a moment. So I want to play you just a little bit of uh, a Ryan solo band. This is Roxy 77. We'll get into that interview with Ryan Roxy. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome you to the show from the Alice Cooper Band and from Roxy 77. We have Ryan Roxy on the line. How you doing, man? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, my pleasure. You guys are going to be rolling into town uh, Thursday night into Pittsburgh, uh, doing two shows: one with Alice, one without Alice. Uh, one without Alice is probably the most curious because you know I think this is a little bit new, uh, at least for our market. So, can you talk about? exactly what you guys are doing at Moondogs on Thursday night? Well, basically, the, the only reason it's without Alice is because I think it would get too manic and crazy if Alice did actually go there. It's it's basically just a pre-party for the big rock show that's the night after, which is the Edgar Winter, Alice Cooper, and Deep Purple concert. 
So what we do from time to time is we do these pre-parties and uh, the guys and the girl from the band, we go down there, we jam, we play some songs that we really love and grew up listening to and sort of influenced us in our careers and play some of our own stuff and then throw in one or two Cooper classics and uh, get everybody hyped up for the show the next night. So this is kind of a, a chance for you guys to maybe let loose and, and do some some fun stuff. What from your career uh, do you pull out any of the Roxy seventy seven material? Well, actually, uh, thank you for asking about <laughs> that. It, everybody gets to front the band uh, for a short time. Mm-hmm. So Tommy Henderson, our guitarist uh, over on stage left, he <laughs> sings some some songs that he was he was influenced by and then sings one of his own from his latest solo album uh, Chuck Garrick the bass player does the same thing and myself I do uh, maybe a cheap trick song one or two and then I get to play one of the new songs off uh, my new upcoming album that hasn't been released yet but um, I'm actually been debuting one of the songs from the record at these uh, pre-show parties awesome awesome now does, does Nita do any Iron Maiden for for us or anything like that or well we have a special song set up for Nita because we asked her if she wanted to sing and she said uh, she she would pass on the singing for this point but she would love to shred and so we definitely have a shredding song in mind in the mind in the set just ready ready for her um, it sounds like a lot of fun I, I always enjoy these these kind of events where you know bands get to kind of deviate from the norm I'm sure with Alice you don't get to do a lot of uh, you know, throw in extra fun stuff. So that well, Alec, Alec likes to have a structured set, and to be honest with you, when people come to see an Alice Cooper show, they expect certain songs. You can't just throw all deep cuts or all right. B-sides right. in there in the set. So this is a chance for us to sort of throw some ones that maybe you haven't heard in a little while as far as, you know, you know, good good party songs, and as well as just sort of hanging out with the fans and uh, getting a good vibe off them and getting them hyped up for the show. Yeah, now let's let's talk about you in in the, as a singer. When I listened to, I think the first song I heard from your band was was Anna, and I have to admit, I thought you, it was Cat Stevens singing. Um, your voice really really different from what I expected. Um, what what kind of stuff can we expect from like the new the new album from you? I think I think the new album is going to be a lot more guitar driven than anyone that's ever heard any uh, Ryan Roxy stuff in the past. I, I've I've actually put out three different uh, or three or four different solo, you know, give or take solo records. I guess you could say they were solo records, but they're not really because I always had a a Los Angeles-based band, and for the last few years I've had a Swedish-based band, and we we went under the name Roxy Seventy Seven or DPM. Um, you might have heard of those albums, but this one is actually my first Ryan Roxy solo album, okay. and I'm excited about it because I, you know, put ten songs on the album with ten guitar solos, which I've never done before. Excellent. Yeah, I know. I, I really enjoyed the material I heard from from you in the past, so it'll be interesting to hear, you know, how it changes because, you know, a lot of it I wouldn't call it necessarily guitars. He's got some cool riffs, but nothing that. Uh, I wouldn't call it a shred album or anything like that. More of a, a song-oriented album. So. I think this, the albums in the past have been uh, based around that. And to be honest with you, I, I look, 
I'm influenced by the Beatles first and foremost, and bands that were influenced by the Beatles as well, like bands mm -hmm. like Cheap Trick, Aerosmith, um, so many Oasis. The, these bands all sort of honed in on the song because I think at the end of the day, the most important thing for any you know band is having the song. But I will say this: I play more guitar on this new solo album than I've played on any of the uh, albums previous. So, and I'm really happy with the, with what the producer got out of me. Excellent. Now, as far as the Alice show with the, the new album, uh, Paranormal, um, any major changes in the set? I know obviously with, with any artist of uh, Alice's legacy, you can't totally revamp a set list and play eight songs from a new album, but how much of the new album gets into the set? Well, there are some new songs from the new album that, that we've been uh, peppering in in the set. And I think, I'm not, I, don't quote me, don't, don't uh, hold me to it uh, too much, but we've been rehearsing uh, a brand new one off the album that I think we may debut in Pittsburgh. Excellent, excellent. Now, just for, for those not familiar with what goes into a show like that, obviously Alice's show has got a lot of theatrics. Is there much in the way of room for improvisation with, you know, the pyrotechnics and the lighting and all that? Or is or do you really have to stick to a script with a show of that magnitude? Um, I think playing wise we get to to sort of go around and and play outside the box, you know, if mm -hmm. you will, because we have that luxury of having three guitar players. So we always have a good foundation with the rhythms and then who's ever soloing can, can sort of go all over the place and maybe not do switch it up from night to night of what they're playing. But as far as our places on stage, um, well, I think we all, being creatures of habit, have our sweet spot at certain parts of the songs that we like to be in. Not to say that we don't, you know, whenever there's a new stage configuration or, you know, for instance, last night we played up in um, in New Jersey at the PNC uh, Theater and it was uh, really long wings on the side of the stage and, I, and the audience was close to those wings of the stage. So I ran all the way out there to the side of the stage a few times uh, and just, you know, Give some high fives out there. Mm -hmm. Now, how how is being in a band with three guitarists? Can you just talk a little bit about how that differs from you know traditional bands? You know, kind of in that mold of of two guitars. What does the third guitar add as far as making it easier and making it more challenging for you? And no, in a word, luxury. I guess it would be very much luxury because you know when you're in the studio and you're recording. Uh, multi-track guitars you usually want a really good rhythm uh, sound and then you want another sort of complementary uh, guitar part that that works with those you know those two guitar parts working together like all the great Alice Cooper bands in the past have done whether it's mm -hmm. you know Steve Hunter you know Hunter Wagner and all the great duos that have been there and the, of course the original band but we have that um, but we also have that X factor, which gives us an sort of an overdub effect. So whenever we need something that's a little bit heavier, we've got that extra guitar to double up on one of the parts. Whenever we need that harmony, but we don't want to lose the backing chords, we get that luxury as well. So I, I think it's really uh, 
we, I thought we were kind of unique in that sense. There were, a few years ago, there weren't that many bands mm-hmm. that had three guitar players. I mean, I think when I was growing up, you'd think of like, you know, uh, Leonard Skinner or something like that. But exactly. now it's exactly. more and more common, if you think about it, in modern music as well. You know, they're, they're, you know the Foo Fighters have three guitar players in their band. Mm-hmm for instance. Yeah, that's a great point. I know talking to many guitarists, you know, you go into the studio and you're laying eight guitar tracks down, you got it live and you have two, you know, so you you, you bring up a great point. Plus, you've got to make singing easier, um, you know, especially, you know, having that many people on stage. I, I will tell you this, the Alice Cooper Band, and, and I think this is one of the sort of things and attributes that the, the, the fans turn on to. They they know that uh, we don't play any background vocals. There, there's no background tapes beyond. We, we have enough guitars on stage to cover the music-wise, but there's no background vocals that are on tape. It's all of us singing. And if you ever do hear an extra voice, it's actually Alice's wife, who's in the show anyway, mm-hmm. but she's got a mic set up on the side of the stage too, and she sings, you know, when she's not acting in the show, she's singing as well. Which, that's got to be great to have another, especially a female voice. You listen to Poison, and I've often wondered, you know, from the time I remember that video coming out when I was a kid, thinking that's not going to be a fun song to harmonize live. <laughs> I love harmonizing that song. I mean, I, I, really, I really feel that everybody, especially in the last few years, you know, being able to be on the types of tours that we've been on, being able to open up for Motley Crue for over two years and uh, play play those songs night after night. I thought I think all of our voices uh, improved and and really sound cohesive as a unit now. So I'm, that, that's one of the attributes of the show that I'm really happy about is the background vocals. Yeah, and, and it sounds great. You know, when you listen to a live album, and I know I, I listen to a lot of the Alice live albums. I love the fact that you can hear that it's really singing and it's not just a pre-recorded deal, you know. Oh yeah, and and, and after we've done three or four shows in a row, you can definitely hear that we've done three or four shows in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little more work. Um, can you talk a little bit about how Nita's uh, playing maybe differed from Orianthe's uh, playing? As you know, she moved into the band and now she's been there for some time. You know how she's kind of settled in in that role. Yeah, I, I think Nita's really come in as as a really great band member of you know, and she she fit in right away. She's um you know, obviously she's beautiful and she shreds and she's great, but in and it's it's such a cliche to say she's one of the guys. Mm-hmm. But she really does like sort of fit in with us and lock in with us when it comes to, to all, you know, the dedication to getting the set down and rehearsing and I, I, I think what she brings the biggest uh, positive that she brings into the band is the amount of energy that she plays with and in her live performance as well. So it helps us to, uh, it just makes us a better band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the new album, uh, you guys obviously play on the live songs, and, and how cool was it to have some of the alumni of the Alice Cooper band come back? And, you know, I know obviously if you've intermingled intermingle with those guys on tour. Yeah, it's an honor for me to sort of fill in uh, with uh, for Glenn Buxton. Um, he's passed away, obviously, and uh, I, it's just you know I, I feel I, I view it as an honor to be able to play uh, alongside of, of Dennis and Michael and and of course you know those songs. 
those uh, those classic Cooper songs that that come to life and sort of take on um, a different vibe than when when the, when our touring band plays it. It's, we have our own version and we have our own personality. We put our own personality into those songs. But when the original band does it, something happens where Alice's voice just sort of locks in with Dennis and, and um, it just really, really um, sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is it is interesting. It is almost like two different bands in some respects. You know, when you, you think of the Alice Cooper band, the original you know, lineup does sound so different to what we hear today, and, and they're both fantastic. And it is really fun to be able to kind of switch gears and hear both of them, you know, making new music. So that's, that's wonderful. Wow. Well, I think, you know, I, I think a lot has to do with that rhythm section between Neil Smith and Dennis Dunaway. Those two mm -hmm. guys, they lock in and they play a certain way together that when, when they play it live, it's almost as if you're listening to the recorded album. And those recorded album yeah. versions and like i said michael bruce has his classic style and he has the way um um he, he's a great guitar player to play off with and, and, and i'm just trying to compliment the songs and and i guess not mess things up <laughs> just sit in the back and and play these uh play play these classic songs and let alice you know sing them with the original band i think he i think he really enjoys it well let me ask you this because obviously alice has had a laundry list of musicians from you know 1974 to today when you approach a song that maybe you guys haven't done you know add a song into the set do you go back to the original records typically or do you try to just make it sound more cohesive with the songs you are playing no we actually really do try to replicate those uh, parts that all those uh, great guitar tandems sort of wrote back in the day and and that's the coolest thing about being in the alice cooper band i think is that we don't just play you know songs that i was lucky enough to write with alice and and when we did those albums eyes of alice cooper and dirty diamonds we don't do just do that lineup we do about maybe seven or eight other lineups that were all you know unique and stand on their own every time we do one of those songs like the lineup for clones for example you know of that era was a completely different lineup than what he had for um the poison mm -hmm. album you know or, or, or raise your fist and yell or it was completely different from billion dollar babies or which is completely different from love it to death so i love the fact that we get to play all these different lineups night after night challenges us is there anybody in the, in the pantheon of Alice's playing that you found most challenging to go back and, you know, boy, that Dick Wagner part was really hard or, or Glenn or anything stick out? Well, I think from the inside era, and that's, you know, that's, he had so many great, uh, Steve Lukather played on that album. Yeah. And, and Rick yeah. Nielsen, one of my guitar heroes, played on that album. So he had, he had so many uh, schooled musicians playing on that album. And when we do some of those songs, whether it's uh, the song Serious, it's just so much musicality to it. So it's not that I, I find it um, impossible to learn. It's just very, very uh, exciting to learn and try and nail those same parts with the same sort of spirit. 
Yeah, and that's what I was always curious. You know, your job, uh, you know, one hand sounds, okay, you're playing a finite number of songs, but there's so many musicians involved in that, from Kane Roberts to Satriani and Al Petrelli. You know, the number of people involved in Alice Cooper's work is enormous. So, uh, it, yeah, certainly, that's, uh, what I, that's what I would say. It's, it's the, you know, being in the Alice Cooper band is kind of like being in the mafia. You're never really out. No. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you're part of a big group. You're part of a you're part of a a, a very cool sort of um, crew. Yeah. And uh, albeit a motley crew, it's been it's been a, a crew of guitar players. Like if you, if you if someone goes on to Google and gets the correct number of how many touring guitar players Alice has had over the years, I think it's got to be now reaching close to probably thirty. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And it, you know, you're right about the mob. Every time that you try to get out, they pull you back in. So, Ryan, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show again. You're doing a show at Moondogs Thursday night. Going to kind of let the hair down, so to speak, and do some fun stuff. And then uh, got to work with the boss and uh, Deep Purple, and uh, you'll be doing a big show at the uh, Key Bank Pavilion on Friday night. Yeah, this this whole show, you know, Moondogs is to hype up the show the next night. So. Get everybody get excited. Come down. We'll be there. We'll be taking pictures. We'll be signing stuff. We'll be playing our, you know, playing some of the songs that that mean a lot to us, you know, and playing some of our own new material. Um, hope all the listeners of Iron City Rocks come down and uh, enjoy the big rock show, and then awesome. definitely come to the Alice Deep Purple and Edgar Winter show because there is so much music to be had that night as well. Yeah, yeah, I you know forget the you know you obviously you've got Edgar and your Alice, but uh, you know what might be the last time we get a chance to see Deep Purple. Um, you know, obviously uh, you don't need another reason to go to a show, but throw in Alice Cooper and boy, you'd be an idiot to miss it. So, well, they're they're hitting on all cylinders, Deep Purple. Um, you know, they're really if they, if they are if this is their last tour, they are they are doing it in such a classy way. They're killing it every night and you know it's it's such a treat to listen to steve morse play guitar oh. and play uh so many of those classic songs night after night yeah i'm envious i was actually just about to ask you that if you got a chance to watch steve because to steve to me might be one of the finest you know picking hands in all of rock no music. doubt about it no no doubt about it. that guy that guy is such is such he, he I think he was like a shredder before the term shredder came around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, yeah. but but he has such a cool, unique, and a, a fluid style that you you really should anybody that that enjoys you know great guitar playing should go check out Steve. And plus, I'll, I'll vouch for him. He's one of the nicest guys in rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic person, a pilot, a guitarist, you name it. Uh, can do it all so um ryan i want to thank you for your time and we'll see when you get into town thursday night man thanks for having me on man and uh have everybody if they want any more information about the show or about me or whatever just go ryanroxy.com and uh, we'll see you at the show all right a giant thank you to ryan roxy again alice cooper and deep purple will be at the key bank pavilion on uh september 1st and the night before on the 31st which is thursday night They'll be doing a show at Moondogs at 8 o'clock. Tickets are only 20 bucks. You can go to moondogs.us. Again, you get Ryan, Tommy Henriksen, Nita Strauss, Chuck Gehrig, and Glenn Sobel. So it's going to be really cool uh, to listen to them jam and have some fun. 
out on the road. Always cool to see these kind of loose one-off gigs. Uh, so we're going to turn our attention now uh, to a gentleman whose name may not be a household name, but has been on some amazing stuff. Uh, Ian McDonald, uh, who is one of the original members of Foreigner, played on the first three albums uh, through Head Game, uh, wrote uh, a few of the songs that are on those albums, Long Way From Home uh, being uh, most notable and uh, has also played with King Crimson uh, with Robert Fripp. So uh, certainly a great talent, a great songwriter, and a great musician. He's got a new album out. It's called Honey West, Bad Old World. His name of the band is Honey West. Um, So we're going to talk to Ian McDonald about that. Pleasure to welcome to the Iron City Rocks. We have Ian McDonald on the line. How you doing, Ian? Uh, I'm very well. How are you? Thank you. Uh, doing very, very well. Uh, it's a pleasure to get to talk to you. I've been a, a longtime fan of your work, um, and you've oh, got a very uh, cool new uh, band together, Honey West. Um, and right. I guess my my first question for you um, uh, was this kind of an homage to to the '60s TV show of the same name, or is this <laughs> kind of a coincidence? <laughs> well, um, excuse me. Um, it, n- not necessarily an homage. It was. Um, uh, uh, I, 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 I joined the band. Actually, it was that was already um, uh, in existence, and uh, by the by the name of Honey West. And I, I guess they, the, I guess they just took the name. It's not really. A direct reference to to the to the 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 sixties TV show, but it's just a it was just a, ni- a nice sounding uh, uh, nice sounding uh, couple of words and um, uh, it, uh, it, it well well the story is that I that that, that um, my my now my writing partner and singer uh, Ted Zukowski uh, had a band called Honey West, which was kind of an alt country. Trio, uh, which um, which I joined, and and subsequently it sort of it it, it, it morphed into more of a, a pop rock uh, uh, band, but we kept kept the name. So, um, but uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, you, you could you could say it's an homage to that to, to the to the um, to the genre of sixties. Certainly, sort of spy movies. Yeah, it, um, it, TV show, TV show. It uh, it was <coughs> when I when I heard the name of the band, I was like, yeah, this sounds familiar. And, you know, I just doing a little right. research. I'm like, oh, that's where I'd seen that name. Hmm. Um, so how did you and Ted um, kind of come together? The creative forces that you know, kind of behind this band. 
Um, well, we were actually neighbors. We literally lived right across the street from one another. And, um, uh, you know, we were sort of walking dogs and things like that. And we eventually um, spoke and <laughs> started talking. And I found out that... Um, uh, that he had he had um, the, a band, this Honey West, uh, which I um, <clears throat> I went to see one day here in New York, and um, I like I liked the energy, I, and I was I was I needed to um, get in, in involved in something significant or serious, or mm-hmm. um, and so um, I I. I saw this as an opportunity to, uh, to, 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 to be a mutual, mutual, uh, benefit to get uh, involved in something, uh, significant. And so that eventually, uh, that, that took place and we started writing and the, uh, which resulted in this album called Bad Old World. And, um, so, that's uh, uh, briefly how, how how we got together. Now you're a man of, of many many instruments. What what all instruments did you play on this record? Oh well, mostly guitar. So the the the, the basic lineup is two guitars, bass, drums, the sort of uh, standard rock, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, sort of format. Um, so uh, I'm playing. Pretty much all the uh, lead guitar, uh, as, as well as uh, doing um, playing on the on the rhythm, rhythm track as well. And Ted, Ted, my writing partner, plays um, rhythm guitar. And so, um, so, uh, but I did, so, and, and uh, most of the tracks were recorded live, including live vocals. And um, so we we wanted to 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 have a have a have a fresh sound like that. So it was basically. Um, uh, recorded live <clears throat> in the studio as a four-piece band, um, but then I, I added um, uh, my um, production flourishes, if you like, and mm-hmm. um, which includes uh, putting some flute and clarinet and saxophones and uh, various other things. And I did all I, I played all the keyboards as well and. Um, <clears throat> so, um, uh, so the, yeah, the, so the album is, it, uh, has has a nice uh, mix of 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 live uh, p- uh, playing with production uh, layer, layers on uh, on top. So uh, hopefully, uh, and, and well, and and, and, that, and I think it works really well. So I'm quite proud of of the record. Yeah, um, it certainly turned out phenomenal. Now, going back okay. back to your early days, um, what was kind of your first instrument? Uh, what did you start out on? Probably piano. I there was a uh, there was a you know as a, as a kid there was a, an upright piano in in the house and a and a and a and a guitar. There was sort of a Spanish guitar, classical mm-hmm. guitar, and a. Um, not a particularly good one, as far as I remember, but um, I, I basically started to sort of uh, to teach myself and just plonk away on these instruments as, as a kid, and then um, 
Uh, I ended up as a teenager being drafted into the British Army as a bandsman, which, which is where I learned to read music and, mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and and everything that sort of goes along with that. And uh, playing, uh, uh, learning to play the clarinet and <clears throat> flute and uh, and saxophone and things like that. So. Now, when, when um, you say you were drafted into into the the band, uh, was it because uh, of your ability, or was it just some random luck that you know, you know, Ian <laughs> McDonald, random. Private McDonald's going to go into the band and, and this kind of excuse me when I when I say drafted, I mean I was uh, uh, it, it, it wasn't um, <clears throat> conscription or anything like that, but um, okay. but my uh, my parents didn't really know what to. To do with me after <laughs> I, I <laughs> after I was excused from school at the age of fifteen, and so um, uh, and I just I I happened to um, see an ad at the, in the back of a of a, of a music mag uh, paper uh, called Melody, Melody Maker, yeah, and then uh, which which said uh, learn to play music in the British Army and. Um, my 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 father especially saw this as a great opportunity to you know to get me out of the house get rid of me yeah <laughs> and put, uh, but um so and that's where that's what happened i uh, i was i i i i i i auditioned or somebody, you know someone someone came to my house and just a random tests on me you know, like tapping out rhythms to see if I could remember it and that sort of thing. And the next thing I knew, I was in the army. So, um, but I learned, I, I did learn to, to read music and I, and, uh, and, and have, uh, orchestration, uh, lessons and ear training and things like mm -hmm. that. That is a, is a, sounds like a great, uh, way to learn it. Were your parents, um, <clears throat> I, I'm curious, you no. know, as a, as a parent myself, when, you went through that, and then you know, obviously, you spent time with King Crimson, Foreigner. Um, when you achieved, you know, the level of commercial success, especially with Foreigner, um, were your parents were they accepting of that, or was this kind of like, well, this isn't really what we expected for Young Ian? We, you know, we thought he'd go in and be a good soldier and learn to, you know, a vocation. Was uh, this well, was this something I, they were supporting? Well, I, I don't know what they were thinking, but the, the when I eventually got out, I, 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 uh, at the age of 21, I, they didn't. They, they. I guess they knew that they couldn't um, tell me what to do anymore. Sure. I'd already spent five. I'd already spent five years in the army, so I, I was um, uh, <clears throat> more than happy to, to get out. And, and, and very, in pretty short order, I was. I got involved with um, with King Crimson as a. <clears throat> um, uh, uh, or well, I, sh I should say Giles, Giles and Fripp which is a, uh, a, a trio that was going at the time which one way or another uh, sort of t uh, evolved into um, King Crimson mm -hmm. and um, so um, but by that by that point they um, they had no hold over me I was I was um, <clears throat> I was uh, a free spirit at that point now, um, now, as you mentioned, you spent some time with, you know, kind of the precursor to King Crimson, and then, uh, you know, I think, you know, for a lot of rock fans, you kind of sort of 
were instrumental in, in the first three albums with Foreigner. Um, can you talk a little bit about right. that time when the band came together and Mick's plan uh, for the band? Well, how can I answer that question? Because I, 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 I just I basically um, provided my talents, whatever they, mm-hmm. they they may be, to to making those records. You know, so. Um, uh, um, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm proud of proud of what I, my, of my contribution. Um, not everything got credited the mm. way I would have liked, but mm. um, uh, but, <clears throat> um, but I very, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was, it's a very privileged position to be in in a in a, in a band that um, uh, makes had hit records and. Playing uh, arenas and stadiums and things like that, so I have mm. no complaints about that at all. Sure. Um, so and um, uh, I, I, I think we made some good records, and uh, I'm happy to 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 um, to, to say that I co-produced a lot of those records as well. <clears throat> um, the the track in particular, I know you were credited with was um, "Long Long Way from Home." Um, can you right. talk a little bit about how that song came together in particular? You know, it's kind of a still a staple of you know their set today. Um, yeah, um, it uh, it started out with a with with a, with a, a riff that Mick um, played on guitar, and uh, uh, and I, I I basically added the the, the the bridge and the and the saxophone solos. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so the section that goes, I'm looking out for the two of us, and uh, I wrote that section. Um, so that's one of the few songs I, I could that was acknowledged that um, I, I wrote uh, part of. Now, um, were the lyrics for that one? Uh, did you write the lyrics for the bridge, or was that all loose? Yes, yes. Okay. That, that whole section. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a such a cool lyric in that song, especially. Um, that's really cool. <laughs> now, um, Double Vision, another Love. song that I think really kind of underrated in, in the Foreigner catalog, Love Has Taken Its Toll. Um, was that one that you, mm. you, you worked with Lou on, or um, how did that song come together? Love Has Taken Its Toll, yeah, we haven't. I, Lou and I wrote that together. That's one of the few examples of, of, of a, a, a collaboration. Collaboration with myself and Lou. Um, we we were on a break actually in Boulder, Colorado, of all places. And um, Lou and I, and uh, Mick was somewhere else, and um, Lou and I just got together and wrote wrote that. Um, on a, uh, we had a couple of days off from touring, and um, that was uh, yeah, that was essentially yeah, that, that was uh, that was Lou and my myself. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for uh, rec- recognizing that. <laughs> oh no, no problem. I'm a, a huge fan of the of, you know really the first four albums of, of Foreigner. <laughs> I think are, are quite great. Now I mean, you guys kicked. Okay. You know, how was that period of time? You look between 1977 and really you know 1980. Uh, three fantastic albums and and I don't know how many tours. What was it like in, in that era? You know, you look back at some of the great bands. That come out of the '70s that did, you know, the Van Halens, uh, for example, who did, you know, a phenomenal album every calendar year. 
Um, how was that pace? I mean, was it something where you guys had to come into the studio pretty much ready to hit record? You know, compared to bands now that take four years in between albums, potentially. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, um, we, it's very often it's it's hard to follow up an album with with a, a you know a, a successful album with a with a with, with another one, and we managed to do that with Double Vision, and and um, so the we that kept the momentum going, and um, uh, if um, you know if if anything, the, the Double Vision album is is just as good as the. Was the first one, which um, which was sort of out of the hit, which was amazing. So yeah, um, um, the third the third album was a little bit of a struggle to to make, but um, the first two albums um, were, had a, a lot of uh, momentum and and great uh, you know material, great yeah. great songs and 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 uh, arrangements, and then. Proud to say that I was part of part of the uh, pr- production of those two albums. Yeah. Well, um, so back to to Honey West. Um, you guys, I, I know you had uh, a few live shows, but or, do you have uh, talked at all about doing more live shows and outside of the New York area at all? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we'd, we'd we'd like that, and we're working on that. Um. Uh, um we have we have a, a show lined up in Pennsylvania, for instance, uh, late, later later in the year. But yeah, of course, we'd love to uh, we'd love to, uh, to 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 play out uh, more and um, to to maybe I don't know, maybe maybe join a tour or something like that. So of course we um, we we enjoy playing playing live. Returns have been very well received, um, as has the album, the world album. Yeah, well, it, very it, good reception. Well, uh, you know, again, the, the new album is fantastic. Uh, your your website oh, is honeywestmusic.com. I would invite all of our listeners right. to check it out. Um, yeah, and just to, li- to look back at your, you know, your amount of work that you've been involved with over the years, it's, it's been a, a pleasure talking with you about that, and I appreciate you sharing some memories uh, about your childhood oh, and, sure. and foreigner. And I wish you guys all <laughs> the best with the record, and hopefully before too long we'll see you, uh, you know, out in Western Pennsylvania with with the new band. Right. Well, thank you very much for for for, for your interest, and um, I I encourage people to. To look for the album on Amazon.com because uh, the, the, the physical physical copy is really uh, really nice and informative. There's a, the art, there's artwork and a booklet with lyrics and credits and all that sort of thing. So I encourage people if they're interested to to uh, look look for the look for the physical uh, copy. Um, Absolutely. And, and I'm very you know I'm very proud proud of uh, proud of it and I'm very pleased with the way it turned out and uh, and uh, there are also a couple of videos out there one one of which my son uh, directed and um, so uh, but, uh, so keep uh, keep uh, keep keep looking <laughs> and, and uh, I appreciate your interest and uh, it's been great to talk to you
Yeah, it's been my pleasure again. The new album, Bad Old World from Honey West. And, and thank you again, Ian. I'll, I appreciate it. Okay. Take care. My pleasure. All right, a big thank you goes out to Ian McDonald again. He and Ted Zerkowski, uh, Graham Maybe, and uh, Denny McDermott make up the band Honey West. They have a new album out called Bad Old World. Uh, you can get that, as he mentioned. It's good to get that on physical media. Uh, not just because we're old timers and we like to have physical media, but because it sounds better, uh, quite frankly. And also, uh, thanks that goes out to Ryan Roxy, of, again of the Alice Cooper Band. Also going to be doing a show the night before with the Alice Cooper Band without Alice uh, at Moondog. So he's going to be doing two shows in the Pittsburgh area in the span of two days. So no excuse not to get out and see one of those. I'd like to invite you to check out our website. It's ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all of which are forward slash Iron City Rocks. You can reach us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com or use the contact link on our website. I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>